crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome back to the show. We have an incredible episode for you today. I'm joined by Steve Lakis, the co-founder and CEO of Branch Insurance, a startup insurance carrier that is doing some pretty wild stuff on the personal line side, and they're working through independent agents. Now, they also, like many of the insure techs have come up, Hippo and some of the others, there is a direct arm to what they do, but primarily they are working into the IA space. They're in six states now with hoping, and and I think... um, Steve kind of mentions this. They're hoping to be in 30-plus states by the end of 2021. They have a very aggressive schedule for the rollout of their product. And uh, as Steve outlines, and you'll see right away, Steve is an insurance wonk, a nerd. I mean, we go deep on some stuff that um, only people who really love this industry will enjoy. Uh, I think you're just going to love this episode. Um, But, you know, they can bind home auto umbrella in seconds. We're not talking about minutes. We're talking about seconds. And that's, from an IA perspective, pretty powerful. And we talk a little bit about my experience with something similar to that with uh, with uh, Plymouth Rock and what they're doing on home and, you know, openly and hippo and um, – Swift, you know, there are a lot of dynamic changes coming to the way uh, the insurance com- customer experience is presented, and it feels like Branch has a chance to be one of those players. So it was a great honor to have Steve on the show. Before we get there, I want to give a big shout out to our friends, our friends at Tarmica. Tarmica is making small commercial insurance profitable for you, the independent agent. We've seen all these. Uh, transactions, Bold Penguin getting bought by American Family. Uh, We've seen um, Easy Links getting bought by Applied. You know, these are great things for their founders. And while I'm sure that at face value, um, you know, nothing may change, those buyouts, they're not a net improvement for the everyday independent agent. These aren't net improvements. And um, to see a company like Tarmica, founded by an independent agent, um, uh, Ragov's dad is a client of Tarmica. I mean, you, you just when you, when these you have these kind of things in place when you're when your board and your advisory board is made up of individuals who are pro IA. What you find is a product that's pro IA. And uh, I just can't speak highly enough about Tarmica and the work that they're doing and the success that companies that use them have. So go check it out, T-A-R-M-I-K-A.com, T-A-R-M-I-K-A.com. Also, huge shout out to our friends at Better Agency. Better Agency and Tarmica are partnering. So now you have the best commercial insurance rater integrated into the best independent agent CRM out on the market. And, you know, these are the kind of partnerships and integrations, you know, I'd love to believe that these are matches made inside the Ryan Hanley show as they're both sponsors. But um, ultimately, these are the kind of tools that are lining up to help you just be more efficient, give give that quality customer experience that you daydream about in your mind where systems talk to each other and pass data so that you're not spent double entering and your people aren't trying to rush off the phone because they know they have 20 minutes of data entry to do. When, when, when the systems that we use talk to each other, it's not just our agencies that benefit, it's our customers that benefit. And and maybe even most important, it's the, it's our employees that benefit because they get more of their time back. They get They can work less stressed and uh, ultimately all of that comes out in the quality of operation that we're able to run at the profitability of our agency the growth of our agency and uh, it's just tremendous so if you haven't at least taken better agency for a test drive i highly recommend that you do go to betteragency.io betteragency.io i think for a buck you get a two-week trial or a 30-day trial something like that and um 
just take the tool for a test drive. Um, you know, I use some of the features, other features I don't, but as a collection, um, the CRM is absolutely tremendous and it's getting better every two weeks, every two weeks on the dot, they drop four, five, six, seven feature improvements, just expanding what the tool can do. And, um, I just think better agency, uh, is a great tool that you need to be aware of. So go to betteragency.io. Okay. Let's get on to Steve. Steve. Brian. How are you? How are you? Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. I love that uh, New York Central Mutual sign. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not a lot of folks rocking that one. Yeah, well, they're, I, I, I've been saying for years, they're one of the best companies in the entire country that, you know, only New Yorkers know about. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you know this, but a, a lot of people don't realize, who don't write in New York, a lot of agents, how, you know, mutual company and domestic and specific domestic company driven our marketplace actually is. Um, I think we have something like 300 mutuals and a hundred plus of them are domestics or something like that. Some, some number around there, which makes it a, it's just a unique ecosystem for, for a lot of reasons. And then most of those won't, won't write down in the city, you know, or, and then some will only write down there. So. Yeah, I mean, I've been up to the Edmiston office yeah. up there in upstate New York. Uh, it's a, it's fascinating. I mean, and what people don't know is that in 1960, we had over 6,000 mutual companies in the United States. And, you know, they, they grew up for a really specific reason, which was um, there wasn't regulated surplus and um, people were just banding together. It's actually one of the core principles on which branches founded. Um, the mutual should have been the perfect insurance model because perfect is frequently defined by our customers as efficient and mutuals don't have a profit motive. The problem has been, um, it's actually been a problem of motivation. NYCM is a great company. Uh, it's got great service, great people, but no desire to leave New York, right? I mean, best kept secret, not because the rest of the U.S. you know wasn't interested. The New York Central never cared to try out outside New York. Yeah. Um, and actually, like State Farm, who's probably the whose market share rides on the greatest innovation in personal insurance in the last hundred years, just barely, right? We're right at the cusp there. That um, you know, a lot of people don't know that nationwide only exists because State Farm was blocked from entering Ohio and the president of the Farm Bureau here paid State Farm to send employees and license the business model, right? I mean, like the mutuals have such a strong part of our storyline in, in U.S. personal PNC, PNC especially, but, um, but it's always a little bit confounding to trace all the tales of it because of motivation. Yeah. Uh, without the profit motive, like why progress? Uh, and it's super, such an interesting part of our story. Yeah. You know, and, and you talk about the, the ease of business thing. Um, you know, at, you know, NYCM, New York Central Mutual, they have a great auto home umbrella raider. You know, I'd put it up against any of the, you know, travelers, Safeco. I mean, actually they're probably better than those two guys, but you still quote rental properties on a Excel spreadsheet that you can only get to from a windows PC computer. So like, it's just funny how, you know, and this is one of the things, and, and they even said like based on, on their current rating models or, you know, their current rating system, that there's not really a big drive to move from that. So you're quoting home auto umbrella. And then if they have a rental, you then go into this Excel spreadsheet and use like macros to generate the quote. And then, you know, it's just funny how, you know, we're, we're in a day and there can be so successful. I mean, they're, they're incredibly successful and, and profitable company. And I think either number six or seven for auto insurance in all of New York state. So, I mean, I think that's a fairly unheard of thing that a domestic would be ranked that high in, in a state um, for, for, especially for auto insurance. So um, it is, it is interesting. I mean, what's one of the things about our industry in general that, that I've 
you know, again, I don't know that that any little boy grows up dreaming of being uh, an insurance nerd, right? But we, we find ourselves in these places. And, and the, one of the things that I find to be so intriguing are, are those stories, you know, you just run into all these unique stories about about how different companies evolved to serve certain needs and, and how the decisions they made over time impacted where they are today. And, and uh, I think it's very, very interesting. I agree with you. I mean, I, I would add about mutuals, which is so fascinating, is owned by their policyholders, but the policyholders have no understanding of what that means or even that fact. And that because of the way capital works, which it's all our businesses, right? Moving capital. um, If you're a mutual, it's really hard to raise capital if things go bad. And so the reason the mutual should have been so efficient, and and remember, like when the mutual started, policies were all accessible, right? So you paid in a small premium. And then if, if premiums didn't cover claims, we'd all chip in the difference. So it should have been perfectly efficient. But for a million reasons, you can imagine, like, that's really hard on consumers to have that kind of uncertainty and then get a big bill at the end of a period. And so we moved to this, you know, the statutory capital model, um, and then it became regulated, so regulatory capital. Um, But in this model, when you have to stow so much money away, you don't have a way because your customers are owners, but they don't know their owners, then how do you get more capital when you need it, and insurance is built for volatility smoothing, right? And so you end up with this long-term problem for mutuals, which is give the money back. And how do you do that? Especially when like that doesn't actually like no one gets, no one is bonus better if you give, if you give the money back. And so that led us to like, you know, is it the late 80s or early 90s demutualization of Met and Prue, right? Tens of billions of million, uh, tens of billions of dollars going back to owners that didn't know they were owners. But then you hear the the kind of the same uh, the same subtext with some of the insure text, of which you'll hear it from me, which is we built it so it can be hyper efficient and our customers are owners. But what does it mean and how would it be different and why? Why does it bend that that long-term uh, conflict that mutuals have had with themselves and their customers because they are built for the, the community only to serve that community, but like give the money back, right? And then having to fend off your, your policyholders and lawsuits and things, it's the dynamics. And who else's marketplace that's $400 billion big uh, is dominated by nonprofits? That's by itself a super interesting uh, question. Yeah. So, you know, you have a pretty, you know, doing the the LinkedIn stalking of your profile, um, you have a pretty dynamic history in the industry. I mean, give us the 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 10,000 foot, um, you know, and, and, and that's going to be tough. I mean, just looking at some of the places that you've been and some of the things you've done, um, but kind of walk us through how, you know, how, not I don't maybe not necessarily to uh, right up to the formation of branch. So I have some some questions about that, but I, but I'd love to hear just a little bit about your backstory because, um, you know, most of my guests don't start so um, authoritatively nerdy, and I mean that in an incredibly positive way, uh, right <laughs> off the rip. So um, so so how the heck did you get all that information? You know, the uh, start with your last question, Ryan. Um, I. I was at a big company and, you know, we hadn't grown policies in force in a long time. Um, And, you know, trying to figure out how to help, I started asking the question of, well, how did we get this big in the first place? Big, really big. And that was a hard question to answer. And, you know, the first observation as I tried to research it was no one record keeps in our marketplace. And, you know, the the rationalization was, well, because nobody would read it if someone actually paid to publish something. And so it's really hard to cobble together the history. But I was obsessed with the question of how did big insurance companies become big? And that led me to kind of a love of um, insurance history, but for its prescriptiveness, right? I mean, it's actually kind of amazing 
how short our viewpoint is, right? I mean, even if you're kind of old guard, you're talking about Hurricane Andrew and its impacts on the industry. And maybe if you've been around a really long time, you're talking about when we invented homeowners as a product in 1950. Um, but like, it's reasonable to believe that the biggest impacts to our market cycles have been caused by uh, regulatory changes and natural disasters. And those things are not multi-year cycles, right? We're talking multi-decadal or, or maybe uh, multi-centennial. And, um, and so how I got the information was just uh, um, cobbling it all together. I'll tell you, um, there, I stumbled across this place that anybody listening to your show should visit at some point. Uh, I think it's called the Insurance Library of Boston. Oh, yeah. But, no, that is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're trying to find answers to why the things that occur today exist the way they occur, there are these gems of places. And, and the state of Massachusetts industry funds the Boston Library. But if you walk in, you know, the librarians all look at you a little bit funny because they just don't get a lot of foot traffic. Yeah. Um, but the answers, the information is is deep. And, um, you know, a lot of the things we talk about today aren't new, right? And, and the way we talk at Branch is we're not trying to disrupt a market. We're trying to introduce some of the oldest ideas of insurance, which are that it's a communal good, that it is good. And, um, and this all stems from a, a really long view. Um, but your question about my background, you know, I grew up, um, I was a sophomore in college when I started working nights at Allstate Insurance. Uh, I was there, started taking first notice of loss and claims, then small claims adjusting. I uh, was going to school for tech, moved into tech, realized that they probably weren't going to compete from as far back in the back office as I was, and I had a desire to help them win. Uh, and so I uh, tried to find my way into the business. I got into underwriting, then into a, a strategy function, and then into product development and product management. Uh, it was at a time where Allstate was kind of slowing down its own direct business and uh, bought a company called eSurance. Uh, and so as they published on the web to Wall Street, you know, the desire was that insurance could be the all state of the web as the direct revolution was, you know, well underway. And uh, I had the cool op to go to San Francisco and uh, help create the first online home insurance program in the United States. It's a great business. You know, you start from scratch. Uh, we didn't have the risk tolerance to be coastal. So in the inland market, you know, it grew to 100 million in five years and it ran its target loss ratio the whole time. Um, but, you know, it's interesting as you think about the bones of organizations and places, Allstate's got a strong pedigree in underwriting and tends to make its targets uh, like uh, some other companies like, you know, Progressive and Auto. Uh, and, uh, and so that was all built into the fabric of that business. The downside was even being the first, it was 83 questions to purchase you know, far shy of, of uh, you know, a digital experience uh, standard for most consumers. Uh, soon after, uh, I left and went to a company called Verisk Analytics. I'm sure you know, um, you know, in the industry, it grew out of the insurance services office and had a chance to run the personal insurance arm of the insurance services office. And the moment I saw the, the way data worked and, you know, grew my relationships across the data aggregator world, I saw a model of underwriting that wouldn't compromise on underwriting integrity, but would allow for different and unique business models uh, in insurance that could be really powerful in creating price value uh, and convenience value to consumers. So my, my background and the branch background, very intertwined. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the perfect cocktail for starting your own insurance company. It might be, uh, you know, or the, you know, uh, no one else has used that particular cocktail. So maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> so where does, it's okay. So now we're at, now we're at branch. So, so where does branch come from? You know, the, the name branch was my own placeholder. Um, it's from my favorite insurance history uh, story funny enough. Uh, but the very first underwriting ineligibility in the United States 
as far as my own research goes, was uh, the Philadelphia contribution ship from protection of loss to homes by fire, I think was the name of the company, uh, decided that homes with trees around the structure were no longer eligible for fire insurance. Uh, and this was maybe like, I'm not sure, but you know, Ben Franklin was on the board and also causing the first fire brigades to, to exist in Philly. Uh, maybe some confluence of information there, but a couple of the uh, employees from the Philly quit and started a company called the Mutual Assurance Company for protection of homes by fire for protection. It's a very long name. Yeah. And, um, and they bifurcated the rate. And so they charged X for homes without trees and they charged X plus for homes with trees. So you've got both the first underwriting ineligibility and the first pricing segmentation in the United States insurance marketplace as a result of trees. And I loved you know, part of how we built on this idea of community is with some real product innovations and how the community can benefit each of the members. Uh, and I love the, the metaphor of, of a tree creating coverage. Uh, I love that it grows. Uh, and it was just, you know, it was a name that ended up sticking uh, as we incorporated and, and went to market. Yeah. So, I mean, why start the company to begin with though? What was the spark that said to you, you know, there's something missing in the market that, you know, there's been, you know, I was at least from an editorial standpoint on the front lines of the 2016 insured, we'll call it revolution or evolution, whatever you want to call it. Um, and a lot of players came and went at that time. It feels like our system has found, um, uh, a little bit of equilibrium, uh, you know, in recent years in terms of, you know, the the agency and carrier world working more in kind with InsurTech and, and new insurance players versus uh, fighting against them, which is, a, which is a good thing for all of us. So um, I'm just interested, you know, it's, it's not an, it's not a small thing to, to, to do what you're doing. So I'm, I'm just interested what the spark was. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was the combination of these three insights. Uh, first was insurance would have to be cheaper to be better to its customers uh, in the commoditized market that is auto and home. Second is that technology and data could change the underwriting model in a way that it could be incredibly easy. And in the frictionless acquisition, new business models that could also make insurance less expensive, uh, you know, appeared in my head as obvious. And then the third was that um, was that insurance could be good, right? Like good, like orthogonal to how most of my customers and focus groups have ever gone about how people think about their insurance, but insurance provides such a wonderful thing to society. Like how do you pull that through in a, um, you know, in a different kind of brand? And if you could make insurance less expensive, right? I mean, I think Geico's business model is the moat that it's had for 40 years since it's near insolvency in the 70s, right? Uh, it's difficult to match because of others go to market. You know, how could you take that a step further in real economics, in appropriately pricing the product and create real value for consumers? And what we, what I knew was the biggest and most uh, or the biggest and highest lifetime part of the market was people who owned homes who owned cars who frequently needed umbrella. And these multiple needs, uh, consumers were unserved digitally. Uh, and so um, all of this kind of was hitting me at the same time. It was this confluence of experiences and this real eye open uh, in the capabilities of data uh, as I, I ran a large data aggregator. And at some point I just, I started penning it out and I couldn't sleep. Like it was, uh, it, it felt like it had to be done. Um, and that led me to making a first pitch to a VC corporate kid here, right? Like I didn't know anything about fundraising uh, and uh, getting some advice I should think about a technical co-founder and uh, called up some of my friends saying, hey, do you know anybody? And I had the wonderful fortune of uh, Joe Emerson, uh, who had founded five companies, five 
or six by then. And uh, the last one being BuildFax, which is a data company aggregating building permits from across the US and for 10 years been building products and selling them to home insurance companies. His uh, deep background in tech, but also an understanding of insurance, like he got what I explained, like the moment I said it, and we'd been at it together since. Uh, so definitely some good fortune, uh, but I think we come at it from a little bit different angle because um, because of the experience of working with consumers and understanding and understanding their buying and shopping behaviors, and architecting a business that was built to solve the problems I couldn't solve in some of my past lives. So, um, I'm trying to figure out the right way to ask the question that I want to ask. Um, so what I heard, what I, what I heard you say is that, um, there's a market opportunity, uh, from the standpoint of consumers who own a home, own a car, and sometimes buy umbrellas, you know, at face value. And and this is obviously where I want you to dig in, but at face value, every agent who heard that went really every carrier rep who's ever walked into my office ever has told me that they're the best at writing homeowners who also have vehicles and sometimes write umbrellas. So what is it about, you know, as much as we're not giving away the secret sauce, you know, you don't have to drop into ones and zeros or whatever, but um, you know, what, what would, what is it about branch that makes it different than, you know, any of the other companies who've been, you know, underwriting for 150 years or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Well, and Ryan, maybe <clears throat> level setting. If I turn you back the question and asked you, why, why do you think Geico and Progressive Direct have moved 20 points of market share over the last 35 years? Why do I think what they do have? You think? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think part of it is pricing. I think a big part of it is brand. Those would be my, those would be, I mean, that would be my two big, if I were to pick two, it would be pricing and brand. Yeah. I mean, I think those companies do a ton of things well, but like, you know, progressive by the time that we're in the early nineties was already the largest auto writer in the agency channel, uh, independent agency channel and had essentially no brand unknown to consumers. Um, But both Geico and progressive direct have a business model price advantage, right? It's an expense structure advantage uh, that they give back to consumers um, because of a lower expense ratio. If they paid the same in claims, you'd have higher combi- a higher loss ratio, but lower average price for the lower expense ratio. And so you can think of that as why Geico can say, you know, say 15%. You know, it's kind of the simplistic way to think about it. Yeah. And no one was doing that for home and auto. We wrote the first online umbrella umbrella policy uh, last year when we launched as well. And so inside, I think our fastest customer buying both home and car insurance purchased insurance in 37 seconds. With two more clicks, they could have had umbrella as well, been fully underwritten, fully insured. We don't quote, we only give prices. And so it gives us an ability to do something that's hyper unique, which is we flip the model in its entirety. And we, we love agents, right? Um, we've got uh, an agency business. We've got an rbranch.com business. And then we've got a business that's entirely new. And so the, the way we think about it is consumers will want to buy in many different scenarios and settings. And in each setting for each customer, they'll think differently about how important price is. Um, And uh, agents have great distribution. They've got great relationships. It's why that business can be so sticky uh, for them. Um, And in that model, we have a price that considers agency commission and reduces the amount that we would spend ourselves on acquisition. Uh, in our rbranch.com price, we have a price that considers our own advertising expense, but doesn't have a commission expense. And then you, you'll you see us in, in new places, like as you're buying a home in Rocket Mortgage, you may need insurance still, get an instant price, check out, have us cancel your existing insurance for you on your closing date, 
have us transmit all the documentation digitally back to the mortgage underwriter and, and have to exert no effort of your own. And this becomes very unique and unique to us because we can serve that need of a consumer to bring multiple products in a frictionless way. Uh, you know, we had an agent we were working with who said, who heard what we were doing and said, there's no way you can instantly purchase the bundle. And, uh, and then they did, right? They, they actually purchased policies and were insured in seconds. Uh, and it's high quality, uh, good coverage, um, but that's the big flip. Uh, and so, you know, we're not necessarily pushing any, any specific model, but we are the first to truly embed insurance right? Leverage the full stack to create value across the value chain from the customer's point of view, allowing them to buy when and how they want, but at the, at the most appropriate unblended price point. And so, you know, you'll pay less with us through Rocket than you'll pay with us on ourbranch.com. And you might say, well, doesn't, doesn't that bother you? Doesn't that worry you? No, I think our mission is to make insurance less expensive. And by making it less expensive, we can help more people be insured, which we most explicitly go after through our nonprofit arm, Safety Nest. Um, but, um, but that's why, that's the space that is unfulfilled because you really can't buy insurance bundled except through branch digitally today. It's very difficult to do. The phone rings and it's that one man contractor and he needs that general liability and he needs it quick and he was referred to you. So you've got to do everything you can and you're really not going to make any money because you know it's going to take a lot of time and heck, you probably can't even get anybody in the office that's going to want to quote it. And so after hearing that pain and that frustration, Tarmica, T-A-R-M-I-K-A.com they'll solve everything I just said was terrible. Check them out. Tarmica, they're awesome. You'll love them. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. It, it, it's interesting to me that, um, that, that this is a conversation that we still have to have. You know what I mean? Like, why, how is it that, 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 uh, how is it that we still don't have multiple players who are able to do this? Why, why is it still so challenging? And um, I mean, I know, I know the answers, I guess that's more of a rhetorical or philosophical question, or we would call it waxing than it would be like a real question. But um, you know, I, I think, I mean, I, I, there is, it's, it's funny. I have a lot of emotions with something like that. The, the hardcore independent agent in me says, you know, I, I, you know, you always hate that someone like Rocket Mortgage, who, who at any, who in large part can take a lot of business from the independent agency channel and direct it away, um, because obviously a lot of agents do business with uh, mortgage brokers who refer business to them, and Rocket Mortgage is one of their biggest competitors. So the more business Rocket Mortgage does, the less business independent agents do, but that that's not your fault. Um, the other side of it is I work with a company here in the Northeast called Plymouth Rock, and you may or may not be familiar with them, but they are a more traditional independent carrier who has put in a tremendous amount of work to become more of a leader in the, in the digital space from the standpoint of making it easy to, to purchase policies. And I think they've done, while not perfect, they're way, way ahead of a lot of, a lot of carriers. And man, it is, I've seen the way even my own company, you know, myself and, and I have, I have a personal lines producer, the way we've gravitated towards, geez, if it's a hundred bucks and we know Plymouth Rock is going to be, take us 10 minutes, you know, I'll, I'll I'll gravitate towards the one that's going to take 10 minutes versus the 30 minutes. I know it's going to take to, to, to quote unquote, finalize a quote from, from someone else. And, um, you know, so I, it's really hard for me to not think what you're talking about isn't the future of how we're going to do business. It just, it, to, to, to think that 
you know, we're still going to be plugging all this information into systems or even still using Raiders like PL Raider, which is still a duplicate entry machine, regardless of, you know, what carrier you have. It's, I mean, it, it really is. I mean, it's exciting to think that there's options like that. So, so how are you, as much as you can, like, how are you making it happen? I mean, how are you getting all of it? Is it, you know, proprietary systems you've been able to piece together? Is it, um, you know, you, you slip the right number of ones and zeros together, you know, how, how are you able to piece this together when everyone else has not been able to? Well, and Ryan, on your, your first point too, uh, I mean, I think, <clears throat> I know the, the Plymouth Rock guys a bit and, uh, you know, are familiar with the, the new homeowners product, especially. Um, and I love that, that uh, the industry is advancing, Right. It's going to be the ultimately it'll be the benefit of consumers. You know, it's funny, too, as we started um, doing some business with independent agencies, the challenge for us was, you know, the the agent's process is about throughput. Right. And you get processes, you try to scale them, you try to be efficient so that you can be quick for your customers and also, you know, deploy your resources effectively. But so many independent agents then relying on comparative raters, we had early chosen not to get involved because our superpower was that it was instant. You could be insured in less than a minute. You could have one of your customers have three products in less than a minute. Um, and you could focus on relationship and coverage, right? Like the decision to make is how much liability insurance you need not tell me your escrow account number, right? Like we're, we're wasting time in the wrong places. Um, but, um, but putting branch in a comparative rater just meant that we had to wait until all of the data fields were entered for other people before the process drained and we just looked like another travelers. And, and so we decided not to. Instead, what's been fascinating and exciting for us is our independent agents and as we grow uh, our footprint and our relationships in that space, um, you know, they're installing us differently so that they can max value for themselves and their customers. And I do think like, you know, like that's got to evolve. You know, when I was a data aggregator, we were making products to make these uh, processes faster. But you get into this place where carrier A would say, well, I'm not buying data earlier in the process because it's just going to advantage my competitor in the raider. And it's like, well, you guys know you're working against each other now, right? And so like, you know, the, the independent agents, you know, you're kind of wedded to your weakest link, which, um, you know, will evolve. But I think it, it takes a little longer because a lot of that is owned in the stack by the carriers. And so like they need pressure from guys like me to care and then they'll invest and then it'll trickle down and like, you know, the, the raters will evolve and the method will evolve. But I agree. I mean, I think that's a barrier. And what you don't want, worst case scenario is because we know like we know that on average Geico has a cheaper price point than the independent agency channel in auto. That's been true for decades. Certainly for 27 year olds and below. Well, and it's, it's not, um, it's not the only value that an agent provides. What we don't want is that the agent would be further handicapped in ease and, um, and so like now I felt as a consumer and I'm, you know, I'm a very old millennial, like the most ancient, I think I'm thinking right on the front end of it. Um, yeah, I think we're the same age. You graduated college in 2003? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're the same age. Yeah, yeah. So as ancient millennials, like I love, you know, I love relationships and I love like low friction. And so, you know, agents can be great with those two concepts in, in mind. Um, but the tech's got to be there. And there are a bunch of companies in the startup classes that are really focused on the agency space. I think we're kind of evolving from direct to agency, which in some ways is neat because when you're the agent can solve so much friction. Right. We relied, you know, when I was an agency writer, we relied on the agents to solve how bad the systems were, like, you know, engage the customer during all the waiting periods, like clean it all up after the fact, like just get through the, the, the sale. 
Um, but when you have to build all of the UX, like every corner case, every unhappy path for a consumer, you build things that can work exceptionally well in an agent's office. And I, I think um, I think that's a really bright spot uh, for our future. We're, we're excited about that. Um, and your your question too, Ryan, then about um, I'm sorry, not, I, I talked myself out of your question about it. That's okay, because I forgot whatever I asked you. So it's fine. I have another question anyways. So, you know, I, th I think about, um, you know, I look at Branch and I look at some of the things that you've said, and it, it reinforces an idea or a concept that I, you know, so I, I don't know how much you know about my history, probably not that much, but um, I have been preaching for more than a decade now, um, you know, that marketing has to move out front of an agency and be, you know, as much a pillar of, the, of an agency's operations as any of the classic, um, you know, operational segments that have existed for a long time. And while today we look around and, you know, that feels much more of like an acceptable idea back in 2010, when I did my first keynote on content marketing, um, I, I had kind of cut my teeth using early YouTube videos and stuff like that to, to grow an, an agency back back a decade ago. Um, you know, and I was sharing that case study and I would and people would look at me like I was freaking crazy. And I think about how much of running an agency is the operation side. And I think I'm I think, you know, now owning my own agency, looking at looking at where you spend time and resources. And I think about a, a company like Branch and I'm like, imagine how much of your day as an agency owner, imagine how much of your day is freed up to be a marketer, to be a salesperson, a relationship builder. If you aren't spending so much time dealing with the nonsense of the systems, like I, I, I just processed an auto renters policy. This is $1,100 in premium. No one's getting rich off $1,100 in premium, but this individual needed an auto and a renter's policy. <clears throat> I process it. I put it in, get it all through. And this is 400 fields later. S verify no errors. Click verify no errors. No, everything's good. All green checks. Everything's fine. Submit business. Whack, underwriter referral, mother, you know what I mean? Like you, if I was a cartoon, you would have seen all these crazy emojis coming out of my head. Cause it's like, what, what, what is going on? So now I'm calling people and I'm going, guys, all I need is to get this poor woman a freaking auto ID card and your stupid system won't give it to me because I got an underwriter referral after an hour for an $1,100 premium freaking account. And I'm like, what am I even doing? Like, what am I doing for $175 in commission? I've now spent three hours of time on this thing that should have taken 15 minutes. And I like literally want to put my head through a wall. And then you're getting, you know, and then it's, well, does she have five years of prior auto policy? And I'm like, who the heck keeps five years of prior auto policies? Like I have her deck page right here from last year. What are we talking about? And I, I like get into that and I'm going, okay. So imagine if that was a more reasonable process. And let's just say it took a half hour to, to quote and bind an issue an auto renters policy for a single woman. Let's just say who was paying in full. Let's just say that took a half hour. That gives me two and a half hours of my life and a reduced blood pressure back. I, I just start, I'm going, imagine what, I, what the rest of my day would look like after that. And, and I could maybe write another account. <laughs> imagine I could write another account because I had that time back. And like, these are the kind of things that agency owners have put up with for so long. And unfortunately, carriers will look at you like you're crazy when you tell them that their system is terrible. And uh, like, like my travelers, my poor travelers rep, I, she, I give her so much, it's not her fault at all. Uh, it's her boss's, most likely her boss's 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 fault. But it's someone's fault there that their system is still terrible. And um, 
but she's like, no, it's fine. No, I never hear any complaints from my agency force. And I'm like, that's because they're just used to it. And they're nicer than me. Um, but you know, I just, this is the kind of thing that gives agencies back their life to be marketers and salespeople and relationships. And it allows them to reduce their burden in operations. I mean, is that, I don't know, that was more of a diatribe than a question, but you know, I, I I'm assuming this is where you're going and, and probably the type of agents that you're looking for are the ones who that's what they actually want out of their company. Entirely. And you know, it's funny, I was on a panel back when I was at, at Verisk with, um, with uh, one of the executives from the Hartford, uh, really, really good guy. And they were asking us each, you know, about InsureTech. And they said, well, what do you guys think about it at the Hartford? And he says, we're going to wait and we're, you know, they're going to watch like they always do. I mean, this was his, his point. And, and the, the thing that I think is so interesting about that point is in representing the industry, you, our market moves slowly, uh, largely because of the regulatory structure, but nothing happens overnight. And so like, you know, I was a company and you know, Geico and Progressive's autos weren't growing off of uh, unbundled customers, right? There wasn't a such thing, you know, like State Farm who made the market, they launched auto in 22, and then they uh, they launched Life Next and then Fire, uh, which became homeowners. And like, these were the core things people needed and they did a great job of bundling them. And when customers are bundled, I mean, you know this, that their lifetime is much higher. They retain much better. The complexity of the need means the effort to shop goes way up and the price benefit is all baked in. Um, but for all those reasons, like natural retention is high, right? You've got less than 15% of the market that shops every year. And so if retention is high, like the urgency is low because that person's boss's boss's boss it's his replacement's replacement's problem. But by then it'll all be bookended differently because the starting point will be reset because it's such, it, no one can see it look like this. So why, why have urgency, right? I mean, the market has changed. I mentioned 6,000 mutuals in 1960. Um, you know, over a 50, 60 year period, the world is so different but it took 60 years and that gives every, and, and by the way, like, you know, I know what the comp structures are. Everybody's making comfortable livings. Wealth creation is occurring. Um, and so like even, and by the way, half of the industry or, or more than half the industry gets to make its own paychecks because it doesn't, isn't publicly traded and isn't privately held. It's nonprofit with no governors. So like, you know, the question to ask is, if they tell you that the system's going to get better, the big question would be why in any reasonable time frame. I mean, I think the best thing that'll happen is those of us that stand to gain something from turning it all upside down will make progress because everyone needs that impetus for innovation uh, and otherwise things move crazy, crazy slowly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I you know, I remember, uh, I was at uh, Agency Nation back in 2016, and we were doing a tremendous amount of reporting on uh, on InsureTech and everything that was going on, and had a ton of the you know hot new startup CEOs and stuff on our podcasts, and we were interviewing them, and you know, and then and obviously being associated with I don't know how familiar you are with that or Trusted Choice being familiar with the big eye national, we were able to, we also, you know, had access to a lot of um, super regional, regional, even some of the national carrier CEOs and top executives and got their opinions. And um, it was very interesting how, you know, basically the major movers and, and still even today investors are the super regionals, not the nationals. The nationals tend to play an even longer game, you know, like a Hartford, like when they say they're playing a long game, it's like, yeah, we might adopt that technology in a decade. And again, I, I like you said, I mean, there, there's a reason for that. And when you, when you have as much to lose by making a bad decision, regulatory or otherwise, as they do, you know, you don't just turn on a dime. It just, it doesn't make, that would be a, as much as it's fun to bitch, 
it wouldn't actually be prudent, nor would you expect an, an executive in any capacity to make that kind of decision. But these super regionals and, and some of the mutual super regionals, you know, I think about some of the things that uh, Westfield, uh, yeah, Westfield, Central, Acuity, Grange, Ohio Mutual, um, some of these companies have made really substantial investments into insure tech companies and been um, uh, leaders in, in partnerships in different technologies. And, and I think that that has been, um, I, I think that's been a, a huge driver of, of both insure tech companies in general coming to the industry and in general agents greater willingness to adopt both new startup insurance carriers uh, and um, and insure tech companies that that before they were completely turned off by right it was well if the Hartford isn't buying into them I'm not buying into them you know what I mean like I you know nothing it's a Hartford I'm I, I like the Hartford but um but it was this mentality. And, and I feel like now it, people are much more open. Like if you had come into the, I mean, I mean ask, ask um, Asan from Hippo and stuff. I mean, when he first came, came into the space four or five years ago, I mean, they were getting slaughtered by agents. I mean, they, would, they were getting trashed all over the place. Now uh, I feel like the agency plant is much more open. And I'm sure a lot of people listening are probably on your site right now, figuring out how to get appointed. And we're going to get to that in a second and talk about where you're trying to go. But, but I feel like today, the agency, the independent agency plant is much more open to, to what you're saying and to a carrier like yours and what you're trying to do. And, and there's a lot of, you know, what's really interesting is for as much, um, 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 M&A activity, as you read about, and there's a ton, obviously, in the agency space, there are a lot of startup agencies, a lot of driven, uh, sales-focused uh, startup agencies that have come into the uh, that have come into the marketplace that would that would die to to be able to operate with a company like yours. So um, I guess that kind of leads me into my next question: Is where are you guys today? Like what? What does the future of working with independents look for you? Um, you know, that's obviously the independent space is, is most of what listened to the show. So um, that's, that's why I'm asking in that direction. We got your podcast.com. Allow us to help you. You don't have a lot of time. I get it. But during COVID, you have a little bit more. What if you just did two podcasts a month? How much time would that be? Well, probably about 10 minutes to set up the podcast, about 20 to 40 minutes to record it, and that's it. Do that twice. I think that's about two, two and a half hours. Do you have two and two half and hours? Because we will help you at wegotyourpodcast.com. We take everything else. Yeah, yeah. It's um, a great question. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, we are live today in six states. Uh, which are Arizona, Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, Ohio, and Texas. And because of our unique model, where sometimes I am working with major U.S. corporations, uh, you'll see us in the press in a really neat way uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, on that, that point, I need to be nationally available much quicker, right? I mean, the insurance company side of this, you know, the it's hard to be an insurance company. There's a, there's a great VJ Dowling quote that from a long time ago, I think it's Dowling's that says, there's nothing that looks worse on paper than a growing insurance company. <laughs> um, and in some ways, it's not totally unlike the, the pain of growing an agency because you are extending acquisition in anticipation of, uh, of residuals, right? And so like, you're always out a little bit ahead of your skis, just that's that same model, but amplified. And then you have to put just for the scale of the cost. And then you have the regulatory capital to solve at the same time, because, you know, the whole game is paying claims. Like that's your privilege here. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, those for the race to scale then becomes critical. Right. And if you choose to be full stack, which I don't recommend for most because, it only makes sense to be full stack if you're more than a, a marketing organization, right? You should be innovating on the whole stack. Um, and, you know, branches or reciprocal has a, uh, it's an esoteric model, but even a unique model 
in reciprocals because our customers who are owners vest in the dividends, right? Uh, it's a really neat model. You'll, you'll see more of it as we, we do some uh, experiments and press. But uh, we've got to get everywhere quickly to get to scale and to be able to appropriately serve all of our customers. Uh, and so you'll see us launching states fast and furious uh, all year long. So um, probably most of the folks that would be listening uh, will be there soon if we're not there now. Yeah, when's New York? When's New York going to happen? Is it going to be 50 well, you know, out of 50? It's not. It's not. You know, we budgeted 12 months for New York, right? You know, we, we know New York. Um, you know, we've been doing this uh, a long time. And so you can kind of predict how long each state takes. Yeah. Um, but you should expect 12 months from New York, which means that we were working on it in 2020. Sweet. Well, I look forward to the day that, uh, that you guys launch here. And um, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to be part of part of the journey. I think, I think what you're doing is, is really interesting. I think that um, these new um, carrier opportunities, I think new models, I, I think they deserve our attention. I know a lot of independent agents say, you know, stick, <clears throat> stick to the old guard. There's a reason they're the, they're the old guard. And, and I, and I, I have, I have a tremendous amount of respect for that, for that opinion. I think at the same time, um, while the the players who have been around for a hundred years are due our respect because they have proven that they're able to continue to pay claims for that long, I think the new models need our attention as well. And um, I, I'm very, uh, I'm honored that you come on and 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 share what you have going on because I think it's I think it's super interesting, man. Um, I think that. Uh, I think that being able to put an auto home and umbrella in someone's hands and seconds, not even, you know, not even talking about, you know, minutes, it, 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 that is an impressive feat. And I think, you know, you gotta, you're gonna, you have a lot to prove obviously over the long term. but that being said, uh, you know, my hope is that you guys are, are open to you know, younger startup agencies as well, because those are the ones that often get pushed to the side by, by some of the older, more established carriers. And, and those are some of the most hungry agents that are going to be the ones that are loyal long-term. So, uh, you know, I'm going to, I gotta, I gotta give you my, my push, uh, there, but, um, you know, I, I think you're on the right path and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you came on and, and shared with us. Well, Ryan, if I could too, you know, we, as we were starting out with agents, uh, we were trying to understand each other you know, I'll give a shout out to Chris Becerra at Cleveland Insurance Brokers, scratch agent, uh, just as you described, uh, looking for new and, and uh, better ways to do things. Um, but we've got a number of those relationships and we're excited by them because they're excited and they're thinking about things differently. And, you know, the old guard has tended to spawn old guard, right? Uh, mutual assurance company I mentioned came from the Philly. Geico was ex-USA employees. Nationwide exists only because of State Farm. Uh, and I had one of the big insurance companies uh, refer to us as uh, yeah, the Allstate group. Uh, and we have no affiliation with Allstate, but a number of us were employees there. And, and if you know the problems well, uh, just as you know, right, just as you articulated, then you can engineer solutions that are unique and solve them. Uh, and so I, I would ask folks to think of us as folks that come from the old guard, because we've got that level of depth. Uh, and if anybody wants to talk about it, I'm Steve at ourbranch.com. Uh, I'm happy to engage, but, uh, you know, wish you the, the best, the best of the show. I uh, will definitely be in touch as we approach New York. Awesome. And guys, so, you know, it's our branch uh, o U R like our, I'll, I'll, I'll enunciate our branch.com and, um, give it a check. I mean, I, uh, you know, I know a couple people in your organization and obviously this is the first time we've met, but very impressed with you and your background and anyone, um, anyone who can nerd out as far beyond me as, as you can, is someone who, who, who we thoroughly enjoy and has an open invitation back to the show. So, uh, thanks, man. I wish you nothing but the best and I uh, look forward to watching your success in the future. In a crude laboratory in the basement of the home.